I'm Tony Gargan and welcome to the Presenting, Pitching and Public Speaking podcast. Hi, I'm Tony Gargan and welcome to the Presenting, Pitching and Public Speaking podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to be focusing on celebrity speakers, how to model the best, but be yourself. And if you've listened to previous episodes, you'll know that I've used phrases just like that to model the best, but still be yourself, be authentic, be true to you. How to follow a system, put it around your personality, how to effectively own the traits of the greats. And what I decided to do was to kind of put this into practice and let's break down some of the people who you may have heard giving speeches publicly, whether in a public office or whether as a celebrity actor or actress, and to look and break down some of their speeches just to identify some of the most common traits, both the things that we can learn and emulate, and also what not to do. So let's start with a couple of politicians. Love them all, loathe them. Politicians often give huge speeches. So let's focus on someone who was in office for a fair amount of time, broke some records, made massive headlines, Barack Obama. Now, whether you love him or loathe him, you must agree that he is a phenomenal orator, an amazing public speaker. Now, when you watch any of his speeches, and I've watched quite a few from a review perspective, he comes across as a very, in my opinion, poised and elegant speaker. He's very considered in his manner, but he also manages to add in some additional things that really make his speeches great. He has perfect time and some really good humour. But one of the key things I want you to take note of in regards to this is that his speeches are prepared. He'll use notes or he'll use a teleprompter if necessary. And what he manages to do is to get across his message that is prepared and obviously practised, maybe written by himself or written by somebody else. But he manages to deliver it in such a way that he shows vulnerability, often bringing in some elements of the family, bringing in his wife and his daughters, talking about those and showing some kind of measured emotions, but showing some vulnerability, talking about his past, his upbringing, but still really getting across the key points. So I would say the things to know from Barack Obama as a speaker are that he is practised and prepared He has a phenomenal humour, which seems to be off the cuff. Now, again, that may be that it's prepared and it is timing that is important. So please, if you're making notes, timing, absolutely imperative. But that he shows vulnerability and shows a level of compassion. Now, we can look at him and say that you think he's a great orator or you think he's just all right. Me personally, I think he's a phenomenal orator. And then you can look at someone who, in my my opinion, is the alternative, Theresa May. Again, we'll stick with the thread of politicians. Now, she often appears, in my opinion, quite nervous when she's delivering her speeches. Um, maybe definitely prepared in that she has notes. She often uses a lectern to stand behind. And again, we're looking at what you can learn, both in terms of what you should do and what you shouldn't do as a speaker. Now, when we're teaching public speaking in any of our expert speaker discovery or revolution trainings, one of the things that we focus on is not to stand behind a lectern because it puts a barrier between you and your audience to be more open. However, 
there are things to take into consideration that many of the politicians will often stand behind the lectern with the example I'm using here of Theresa May. It's a standard for anyone in Downing Street when they're delivering a speech to have that lectern. So sometimes it's kind of things beyond their control. But what you'll notice that her speeches are always prepared. She always has notes. And in my opinion, she looks at those notes quite often, which can affect your belief system or it can affect the way that you um, interact and create that connection. Now, in previous episodes, I've focused on connection and the importance of having good eye contact to create with your audience. And again, Theresa May, Barack Obama, the people that I've previously mentioned will have both their massive raving fans and also the people who maybe don't necessarily connect so well, don't necessarily like or you know relate to what they're saying. But it's important to note that they are doing a job, that they are focusing on something. And when you deliver your own personal speeches, Remembering from previous episodes, I know that I've mentioned that you can't please all of the people all of the time. And one of the things that you have to honour both of those speakers previously mentioned, Barack Obama and Theresa May for, is that they stand for what they stand for and they stand against what they stand against. And it's really important that we honour the fact that that's what's happening. Um, So never be afraid to stand up for what you stand up for. That's something that we can definitely take away. As I say, sometimes um, Theresa May, in my opinion, appears quite nervous. Now, that can actually show some vulnerability. It can show a level of connection that other people can't. She's, I'm just like you. You know, I'm, I'm creating that mood. I'm making you know that although I'm in a position of authority, that I'm just like you. So it can actually be a connection with the audience. But it's making sure that if you have those traits yourself and you're maybe a little bit nervous, maybe a little bit more preparation, a little bit more practice to get comfortable being uncomfortable. I know I've definitely touched upon that in previous episodes, how to overcome those fears and those concerns around public speaking to create that interaction, to create that connection with your audience. Now, I'm going to point out what not to do in this instance, which is interact with your audience unless it's relevant. So what I have noticed from watching some of Theresa May's speeches is that she's allowed her audience to throw her off. Maybe someone, and quite often it's something, somebody with a negative comment or something that she wasn't necessarily expecting. Now, in previous episodes, I've talked about speaker interaction. In fact, we've done a deep dive in both episodes 10, the basics, and in episodes 11 of the Presenting, Pitching and Public Speaking podcast, where we took, looked at a deep dive into interaction with your audience. So giving people the opportunity to connect with you and to speak to you. But also quite often there will be people who will not necessarily have the best intentions and they may heckle you. And maybe that's something I'll touch upon in in later episodes. But having the ability to just roll with it and let that fly, that's definitely something that you need. So we can definitely learn some areas of what we can emulate, what we can replicate, what we'd like to put into our own speeches, but also what not to do. Now, I've probably given some guidance into where my thoughts lie in regards to these people. But let's go to someone who I know the minute I say his name, you'll either love him or you'll loathe him. Donald Trump. Now, there are a lot of key lessons from Donald Trump's, I can't even say his name, Donald Trump's speeches that we can both learn from. And that actually we, we practice within our speaker delivery, but also things that we can hope to avoid. So let's break it down. 
One of the things that you will notice is that, and he even says to his audiences, this is an off-the-cuff speech, this is spontaneous. He often breaks into spontaneous speeches. Now, as I've mentioned previously, when I've done both the introduction into the speaker system and the deeper dive into our speaker system is that practice and preparation is absolutely key, particularly if you are in a position of authority or even greater, ruling a nation. So my advice would be that spontaneous speeches aren't often spontaneous. They seem that way, but they're not. So making sure that you prepare and you can deliver a speech which appears spontaneous and give some some really show vulnerability that, that is spontaneous, but still have the practiced and prepared elements of it. Now, one of the things that you've got to admire of Donald Trump, whether you like him or you loathe him, is that he is a master at something which is known as paralipsis. And paralipsis is where you effectively say, I'm not saying that when you actually are saying that. I'm not saying that this product is cheap when actually you're saying that the product is cheap. What it means is that he can actually get away with saying what he wants to say without actually being caught out. He goes so far as to say, now I'm not saying that X, Y, and Z, so you can't report that I've said X, Y, and Z. Now that is a very, very smart and a very astute way of getting your point across without getting yourself into trouble. Have a little look at what paralipsis is. Uh, effectively, it's uh, I'm not saying that this is the best ever speech I've delivered. And what I'm saying is that this is the best ever speech I've delivered. I'm not saying that I am the best possible ruler for this nation. But what I'm saying is I'm the best possible ruler for this nation. He is very, very smart and astute in that respect. Maybe not in others. Um, but one of the things that you can actually take away is the ability to get your point across without um, getting yourself into too much trouble. It's something that you can learn as a speaker. What that leads on to next is polarisation. Because as I mentioned, when I say the name Donald Trump, often people will either love him or loathe him. But again, that's something that is key as a public speaker. You will never please all of the people all of the time. And polarisation is actually a good thing because it shows that you are not afraid to stand up for your beliefs and you're not afraid to back yourself, but that you're also not afraid to um, stand up for what you stand up for, but stand against what you stand against. Now, obviously, this is done in a political way with, with Donald Trump and he often uses political answers and is often quite you know purposely ambiguous in his responses one thing that he will do is he will definitely polarise an audience. What that also does in turn is it creates attention and that generates followers. And he has raving fans as well as his raving haters. But he stands for what he stands for and he stands against what he stands against. And this is something that I've touched upon in previous episodes. One thing that Donald Trump does do is that he uses audience interaction and responsiveness. Now, sometimes not to the best ability, but if you focus, and as I say, listening to previous episodes where we've looked at speaker interaction, episode 10 and 11, um, you can use this to your benefit to create even more fans, to create that deeper connection with your audience. And another thing that Donald Trump does, it's like he's listened to our speaker system, is repetition. Now, repetition is the mother of all skill. It is the ability to be able to repeat and make your point known. Repetition, repetition, repetition. It again creates those followers. It gives you a brand or a, a catchphrase or something that you are known for. So love him or loathe him. Smart public speaker, Donald Trump. Not necessarily the things that he's saying, but the manner in which he says. And this got me looking into, well, where else do... 
we focus on public speakers and where can we learn from what they do well and not so well within their public speeches. And I started looking at actors and actresses. Now, you can again learn a lot in regards to what to do and what not to do from the speeches. And one of the most common, one of the most well-known, well-documented speeches are the, the acceptance speeches for an Oscar. So let's look at a few of these. Let's first focus on 1999 Oscar winner of Best Actress, Gwyneth Paltrow. Now, the, the note I would like you to take from this is that the balance is important. Now, I've previously discussed in episode four, conveying your message through a story, that the ability to create rapport and connection with your audience, which I think was episode eight, the ability to show some vulnerability will really get people to connect with you in your audience. And this is something that Gwyneth Paltrow did really, really well. But her emotions had already got the better of her before she even entered the stage. Now, you will note that every single, and I've never delivered an Oscar speech, I must say, I've never accepted an Oscar. But I would make the assumption that every single person who is nominated for an award prepares an Oscar speech and also prepares their gracious loser face. I think that's definitely something that you've got to practice. Now, Gwyneth Paltrow obviously was, it was, um, she had some fierce um, competitors in regards into the, the, the category that she was in, including, including the fabulous Meryl Streep. And one of the things that you need to honour is the fact that although her emotions got the better of her quite a lot before she even started, she showed fabulous gr uh, gratitude and humility, which is a big focus at the start of our speaker system, if you remember from the 28-step system overview from episode 22. Right near the beginning of the speech is your end, the honour section, and your gratitude and humility is absolutely paramount within that section. Now, she showed great thanks and humility to her peers, her colleagues, all of the people who helped her to get to where she was. But what she also did was to show vulnerability. The fact that she'd broken down into tears before she'd even started her speech showed that vulnerability. Now, it may be that her emotions took over a little bit, and that can, with some of your audience members, break down the connection. So finding the balance and finding that that kind of that right level is really, really key. And that again comes through repetition and practice. You know, if you've not delivered an Oscar speech previously, it's a learning curve still. She also had some fabulous humour in there, a few canned jokes, which were often at her own expense or the expense of other people with some self-deprecating humour or some humour which was gentle humour at other people's expense. So she'd thank somebody and then she'd make a little joke about them. Um, which is, again, something that we focus on within your speech. Now, I think it was episode, let me think, um, the serious business of having fun. It was episode five, the serious speech, the serious um, business of having fun within your speech and creating humour within your speech. Now, that is absolutely important, especially if in this scenario, Gwyneth Paltrow was, you know, she was quite emotive. She was um, a little bit upset, but overwhelmed. And it is a great way to release the pressure. So if you're kind of upset and you're struggling, as she was in her speech, to get her words across, that little bit of humour just releases the pressure, not only for her as the speaker, but for you as the listener. Now, it came to the point where her emotions completely took over, at the point where she was thanking her family members. Now, this showed this can create a great connection with her audience members because she really, really showed her vulnerability at this point. But what she also managed to do very elegantly was to bring the speech full circle by um, basically giving gratitude and by 
offering her Oscar to, you know, dedicating it to, to two people who were dear to her, who'd lost their lives. She managed to bring it full circle. So there's a lot of things that we can learn from that speech. Again, it may be that your thought process is, I watched the speech, it was far too, you know, emotional. It was She was blubbering from the start, but there are still some lessons to learn. And that's actually a key point I'd love for you to take away from this. Whether you love or loathe these people, Barack Obama, Theresa May, Donald Trump, Gwyneth Paltrow, and I'll move on to a couple more in just a second, that you can actually learn a lot, both the good and the bad, from their speeches. Because, in my opinion, polar opposite to that one was Leonardo DiCaprio. Best Actor Oscar, 2016. Now, again, he followed a similar system in that, obviously, he showed thanks and humility, thanking his um, com- his competition, effectively, within that category, and, and showing gratitude to the people who got him from the very start of his career to where he is. You know, he'd spoken about um, his gratitude to the people who'd given him opportunities throughout his career. He was very poised. His timing, his the elegant way that he delivered his speech, along with a little bit of humour in there. So again, some common threads in the Gwyneth Paltrow speech and within the previous politician's speeches. But what he managed to do was to open a loop at the start, which is again something we've touched upon in previous speeches, previous episodes of the podcast, is opening the loop about gratitude and the fact that he doesn't take for granted the position that he's in. And he very, very elegantly, towards the end of his speech, closed that loop where he actually used his position, his ability to stand up in front of what is obviously a huge audience to get his point across. His point being that 2015, the year previous to his Oscar acceptance, was the hottest year in, in history and that climate change is a real thing. So although his speech was around one main thing, it was the thanks for giving him the opportunity, thank you to all of his peers and to those who voted for him, everybody as part of the Academy who'd given him his award, but still being able to make a really poignant point, which was his focus point around climate change. And this he used to very elegantly close the loop with a phrase that was, do not take this planet for granted, and I do not take this evening for granted Now, he could have lost his audience at the point where he moved into thanking his peers, thanking his, you know, his friends, his family members, the people who've given him opportunities throughout his career and moving into segueing into his his speech around climate change. But what he very elegantly did was bring that back to close the loop. And again, we've touched upon this in previous episodes by saying, don't take this planet for granted. And I do not take this evening for granted. And that is where we finished his speech Again, a lot of points that we can learn from that. But there is one final one, which in my opinion is one of the best Oscar speeches I've ever seen delivered. And this is Matthew McConaughey's 2014 Best Actor speech, Best Actor Oscar acceptance. Again, through the similar thread, he he showed humility immediately, thanking his um, peers, thanking everybody who'd given him the opportunity to be there on the stage to accept that and also the opportunity to do what he did for a living. But one of the things that I really liked about his speech, which was very elegant, was that there was a lesson within there. Now, this was obviously practised, just like Leonardo DiCaprio's, just like uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's. It was obviously rehearsed, but he put a lesson within it. And his lesson, and if you've not yet listened to it, my advice would be look it up on YouTube, Matthew McConaughey's 2014 Oscar acceptance speech. Because his lesson within there, which still gave him, and he touched upon each of the points, the ability to 
adding hu- great humility within this, some vulnerability, some great humor, was that he said he wanted to emphasize the lesson, which is that everybody has should have someone to look up to, someone to look forward to, and something to something to look forward to and something to chase. Now, in terms of something to look up to, in this particular instance, he was thanking God. He has a belief and he wanted to make a point that um, he thanked God for the opportunities that he's been given and that everything he owed to him, they're looking up to. But what it also does at this point, in my opinion, as the audience member, it gives you the ability by when he leaves the gap. And we talked about this in previous episodes and I will touch about touch upon it in, in later episodes, is... When you pause and you use that, you make a point and you use a pause, it gives your audience members, it leaves a gap and gives them the opportunity to fill in that gap with their own thought process. So when he says he looks up to God, he talks about why he looks up to God and then he pauses, which gives you as the audience member the opportunity to think, who do I look up to? Step two was the something to look forward to. And in his instance, my something to look forward to is my family, which segued into his ability to thank his family, his um, late father, where he added in a, a lovely little humorous story using some satire categories and body language, which we touched upon in episode 19, his movement to again release the pressure, because obviously talking about something that's vulnerable and emotive, the fact that he'd lost his father, something that was um, showing a vulnerability. But here he was able to release the pressure a little bit to add a little bit of humour within there and he mimicked his father and made you know done a little impression of him then he moved on to thank his mum to thank his wife to thank his children but he used the lesson of something to look forward to being to thank his family and the final point was the something to chase and herein lies the lesson and he said he was asked that, that advised that everyone should have something to chase and someone had asked him who his hero was and he thought about it for a while And what you'll notice there is that I left a pause, which gives you the opportunity to think, who is my hero? And he realised that he didn't have a hero. And then he realised that he did, and his hero is himself in 10 years' time. And that your hero is always yourself in 10 years' time because you're always giving yourself something to chase, something to look forward to. Again, he showed humility, he showed vulnerability, and it is a, a very, very good acceptance speech, in my opinion. But what I'd love for you to note, and if you're making notes at this point, you'll want to write these down, that there are common themes throughout each and every one of these speeches, whether it be a politician's speech in the examples I gave previously of Barack Obama, Donald Trump and Theresa May, or whether it be full circle into the um, actor's speeches and the acceptance speeches for Oscars of Gwyneth Paltrow, Leonardo DiCaprio and Matthew McConaughey. And they are these, preparation and practice. Whether it appears that way or not, every one of those speeches is prepared. And that is something you can learn from, something you can do with each one of your speeches. Humility. Now, some people do it to more of a degree than others in the list that I've previously mentioned. But the ability to um, give gratitude and thanks and show humility to the people or the systems or the processes that have helped you to get to where you are. A little bit of humour within there. Again, some of it canned humour that's practised and prepared, some of it a little more off the cuff and the ability to utilise. Having a, an, an element in some of them, it's the element of surprise or suspense, which often comes in the humour point, leading people down a garden path and then the humour coming in somewhere else. Or when you're expecting someone to say something, 
or maybe not expecting someone to say it and they do. So that little element of surprise or suspense is shown within each of those speeches as well. And the final point is that everyone had a point to make, whether it was being thankful, whether it was, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio's message of um, don't take the planet for granted, whether it was one of the um, politicians' uh, points, which Theresa May's point, it might have been that, you know, she didn't have enough time to showcase what she was capable of. Whatever the point is, you make your point and you repeat it. With Donald Trump, it's very overt. He just repeats, repeats, repeats the same point without even breathing pretty much, without giving time for a pause. He repeats, repeats, repeats. Maybe it's in a more elegant way or maybe in a more subtle way whereby you'll repeat a point and it's I'm thankful for X, Y and Z and then you call back to it a little later on and you call back to it a little later on. But they are the key common themes in each of these speeches I've looked at in celebrity speeches. Preparation. The ability to show humility, the addition of humour, an element of some surprise or suspense and the ability to make your point and to repeat it. Now, this is definitely something I will touch upon in later episodes because I really enjoyed reviewing some of the celebrity speakers and the fact that they, too, evidently use a system and have, you know, an ability to um, to follow a system, but still put their own personality around it. So the model, the, the model I'd like you to share, the model I'd like you to follow is the system that we've previously shared and to model the best, but to still be yourself. Each one of those speakers has their own inimitable way of delivering a speech and you should too. So own the traits of the greats, but be authentically you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Presenting, Pitching and Public Speaking podcast. And I'll see you soon.